Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, it's a happy, happy, happy Rico because the New York Mets won a series against the San Diego Padres. The New York Mets won a homestand, winning four out of six games, and they go west above 500. And there are games once in a while, even games in the middle of April, that will swing your emotions in a very serious way. And so far through this baseball season, we're only 13 games in, it feels like the Met fan, myself included, has been very, very hot and cold. A bad loss, we start to freak out. A good win, we start to feel better. I think that the balance of this homestand, the balance of this series, the feelings we were going to have going into what's a challenging 10-game road trip was all on the line on Wednesday afternoon. Because if the Mets had lost to the San Diego Padres and there were moments on Wednesday afternoon where it certainly looked like they would, I think that there would be 48 hours of strife, 48 hours of this lineup isn't any good, when the hell's Verlander coming back, when are the kids coming up? Not that we won't do those things anyway, we will, but it would have been said in a much more negative light. The fact that the Mets won a series against undoubtedly a good team, I think we all agree on that. So you can't even say they beat up some crappy opponent. They won a series against an undoubtedly good team. They pitched incredibly well, which we'll get to. I think it has to make you feel good. Doesn't mean this team doesn't have any flaws. Doesn't mean there's nothing to complain about. We may spend a majority of the Rico talking about negatives. I fully acknowledge that. But the Mets won a game. They won a homestand. And from that standpoint, from a win-loss standpoint, You have to feel good. And that's not to ignore all the negatives we may get to, but they won a series against the Padres. They're above 500. And I don't know about you. I feel good. Like I'm in a, I'm in a jovial mood because this was on all a very successful homestand. Am I wrong, Pete? You're not 
a hundred percent wrong, but you're you're a little I, I wrong. wrong about. I mean, listen. I mean, the the goal is to continue to win series, which we have. So so that's good. I mean, we're what three out of four so far on the series. We did get sw- swept by Milwaukee, but okay, minus that, we're three out of four. But there's a lot of questions and a lot of frustration, and it's it's not just the the basic complaints. It's now boiling from last year. And there's a lot of things that we've been clamoring about where it's a lot of the young kids, like you said. Um, Buck now has been overmanaging or undermanaging or be it like he Buck is going to be more criticized than he ever was because last year was a, a, everyone was praising every move. This year, it's different story, dude. Well, let's get to it because I'm going to rip you for something and I'm going to save it because. Me and Pete went to game two of this series. We sat side by side. And so when you're watching a live game with somebody, you see their emotions right as it's happening. You know, no Monday morning quarterbacking. We're quarterbacking quarterbacking as it's happening. We're giving live opinions. And Pete said some bizarre things. So I'm going to get on you about that. But we'll do that when we discuss game two of this series. Let's go right back to the beginning. And there's going to be a lot of positives and negatives as we go through these three games We start with Monday night with Max Scherzer on the mound. And and the way I kind of felt going into this game was not that, you know, his Met legacy's on the line, (laughs) you know, not that, you know, what kind of season he's going to have is going to be determined by the way he pitches Monday. Uh, I don't think there was anything more on the line other than if he doesn't pitch well, we're going to boo you. Something as simple as that. You know, the Mets are coming off of a series win, but, losing the final game of that series on Sunday. And you're looking for Scherzer to pitch like an ace. You know, that's kind of my attitude going into Monday night. I want to see Max Scherzer look like Max Scherzer. And I'm very mixed about what he did on Monday because at the end of the day, he didn't give up a run. You pitch five innings. It's not enough innings. I think we all agree. But you don't give up a run. That's not bad. I'm not going to sit here complaining about a guy who did not give up a run. Because I'm a very matter-of-fact guy. There are two things I look for from a starting pitcher. A, don't give up any runs. And B, give me as many innings as possible. Obviously, from an inning standpoint, what Max did on Monday was not enough. I mean, five innings, 97 pitches, working into trouble most innings due to control issues and not really being able to put guys away. I think that was his biggest issue. Uh, It's not ideal, but he didn't give up a run. And when Max Scherzer left the game way too early, he left with a lead. So watching him live on Monday and even recapping it a few days later, it was an acceptable performance. It's not something I'm going to rip him for. He didn't give up a run. It's not something I'm going to laud him for either. It was was acceptable. And, And one thing I tweeted about, and you mentioned it on the air too, so we were thinking alike, is that it was very Al Leiter 04. Al Leiter in 2004, it was such a weird year from him. The Mets weren't good, in fairness. They had a bad year. Al Leiter would go five innings, so 110 pitches in basically every start. But he would go out and not give up a lot of runs. And when you look back at his final numbers from 2004, he made 30 starts, which is a win. He threw 170 innings, so not quite, you know, 210 like we would see back in the day. And he had a 3 one ERA, kind of in that range. Good year. But you know, not a dominant year, not the best of Al Leiter. You know, it wasn't quite Al Leiter 1998. You know what I mean? So if Scherzer did that over a full season, 
Would we accept that, by the way? Just, just hear me out on that. If I told you right now, I just gave you Al's numbers, 30 starts, 170 innings, a 3-1 OERA. Would we hate that from Max Scherzer, Pete? No, that those numbers specifically we would not hate. If you look into it a little bit more, though, like outlier pitch, like almost one to one walk K ratio was ridiculous. It was that that you cannot have. He walked almost as many as he struck out. You know what though? Hold on a second. Here's where here's my pushback on that. If the innings and the ERA are acceptable, who the hell cares how you got there? Like I'm telling you, 170 innings and 30 starts, which is five and a third, five and two thirds. So clearly it's not good enough innings wise, right? Like we all know that's not a lot of innings per start. So clearly the guy's throwing a lot of pitches, but he's only giving up the amount of runs I described, which is an ERA in the low threes. I'm not giving him Cy Young votes, but all I care about is don't give up runs and give me innings. If you're okay with 170 innings and you're okay with the ERA, why does it matter how we got there? Yeah, I guess if his whip is two, it doesn't make a difference as long as he gets out of the inning. Yeah, it's true, though. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm mixed about this because I think the answer most people would have about Max Scherzer's numbers this year would be, do they get to the playoffs, and what does he do then? That That's how you're defined. Because look at last year. When Max Scherzer pitched last year, he was really, really good, and at times dominant. Like this idea of, well, he can't dominate anymore. He dominated in September of last year. Yeah, he had a perfect game he was taken out of. So it's not as if Max can't dominate. It's that, yeah, over the last five starts we've watched him make, uh, the last two of the regular season, obviously the first three this year, no, he's not dominating. No one's suggesting he has over those five starts. But it's not like he hasn't done it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So... I think Max is one of those guys that will determine based on the October success. But I looked at Monday night's game and said, okay, they needed a lot out of their bullpen and their bullpen did a great job. Now the bullpen goes out and blows it. Maybe we're talking about this differently. The bullpen backed it up. The Met offense was able to eventually break through because they had a lot of frustrations in that game as they've had throughout this series and they won. So I thought Max on Monday it was fine. It was, it was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Do I want more from him? Are we expecting more from him? Absolutely. And Scherzer comes with the baggage of his resume. What I mean by that is when you have the resume he has, which is hall of fame worthy and you're making $45 million a year and you've done little for us, right? This is all what you did elsewhere. Our bar for you is going to be very high. And I, I feel it too, but I thought Monday he did a good job. He battled, you know, it was not easy. First inning of this game when there's two on and one out and Xander Bogarts is at the plate, I'm worried. And he made a big pitch and he got a double play. He was able to fight through it. He fought through the third inning and his pitch count was at 64, which was nuts. He fought through the fifth inning and you knew when he couldn't put Nola away, that was the key to this whole thing. 
because Nola had a very long at bat against him with a runner on first, two outs up to nothing. He wasn't going much further than that. You throw 97 pitches in five innings. It's just, it's over for you. But major credit on Monday to the Met bullpen. John Curtis comes into the game, works his way into trouble, works his way out of trouble. Drew Smith comes into the game, sort of the same thing. Plus, they get a great catch from Brandon Nimmo in center field. And then we saw, and there will be criticisms of Buck. We'll give Pete certainly your opportunity to rip him. But let me throw my bouquet at Buck. Let me do that. I've been critical of him on the Rico, so it's not that I kiss his ass, but there's something he does that I love. He did it in game one of this series, but what really turned me on was the way he did it in game three of this series. <laughs> you know what I you know what I mean. He uses what a concept. This this just I, I love it. He uses his best reliever against the opponent's best hitters. He doesn't wait for an inning number to say, this is when I'm going to use a guy. So we'll get into Wednesday in a little bit. But in game one of this series, the Mets had just broken the game open. They finally broke it open. Eduardo Escobar had a sacrifice fly, but really the big hit was Lindor had the two-run double. And they turned a 2 nothing game into a 5 nothing game. But because David Robertson was already warming up, I agree with Buck. Why am I going to sit him down to then potentially have to warm him up again if the bullpen struggles? I may as well use him. Like, what am I waiting for? So he goes to David Robertson in the eighth inning, but against the top of the order. And I love it. No messing around, no waiting around. And David Robertson was splendid. One, two, three inning. He then goes to Adam Adovino in the ninth inning, a trend we'll talk more about. And he gets the job done. The Met bullpen was really the story of Monday night's game. Because, yeah, the offense got a big hit from Jeff McNeil. Big credit to him because the Met offense can be very frustrating at times, as they certainly showed in game two of this series. But the bullpen was awesome. Curtis, Smith, Robertson, Adovino, the Mets win the opener. They shut out the San Diego Padres, and something happened in this game that I never thought I would ever see. And I'm not talking about the two infield hits. That was crazy, I know. Tomas Nito, right after Luis Guillorme lays down the bunt. Yeah, it's amazing. We all get that. But something happened in this game, Pete, that had never happened in my life. And I have seen thousands of baseball games. Never happened before. You want to guess what it is? I, I don't even know where to start. Um, you, what do you it think? was record-breaking. I set a personal record in this game. And again... Thousands of baseball games. Something happened on Monday, and I couldn't believe it when it happened. I said to my friend who I took to the game that night, my friend Dennis, I said, I can't believe this happened. Did Ready? you? Was it the quickest game you've ever seen? Two hours and 38 minutes was not the quickest game <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> I've seen quicker. So for many, many years, I, like most Met fans, was upset. We were obsessed with the no-hitter. Just obsessed with a no-hitter. Where there'd be a fear in my mind of missing a Met no-hitter. And obviously those, those fears were kind of eased a little bit when I was in the building for Johan. So I saw the Mets' first no-hitter. And after that, it's all been more relaxed. You know, I wasn't there for the combined no-hitter last year, but that's okay. But I've always been no-hitter obsessed to the point where I know about no-hitters immediately. I don't wait around. Like, I'll make a joke about her into the game. Okay, no no-hitter today. 
if it gets to the second inning, I'll notice it. Like I know and pay so close attention to Met no hitters, even after the Johan no hitter, that it's always on my mind right from the get go. Until that first thing is recorded, it is always on my mind until Monday. First inning, they didn't get a hit. Second inning, didn't get a hit. Third inning, didn't get a hit. Fourth inning, didn't get. And I have no idea. I'm sitting there as the fifth inning starts with a no-hitter. This is not like me. I'm the one who's like, whoa, no-hitter, 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 no-hitter. I had no idea. So when Ha-Sung Kim comes to the plate with one out in the fifth inning as Max is trying to get through the fifth, he gives up this line drive to center field. As the ball is traveling in the air, my buddy says, "Uh, no, no-hitter tonight. And I look at him like, what? I said, what? I looked down at my scorecard and I said, holy shit. Like there wasn't a hit. You're telling me Ha-Sung Kim's base hit in the fifth inning was the first hit of the game. And what made it even crazier is they didn't give up their second hit until the ninth inning. So as the ninth inning is starting, I said to my buddy, does this feel like a one hitter? Cause it doesn't. And obviously a big part of that is there were six walks. So I think those base runners make it easy to forget. But for me, as someone who's been obsessed with the no-hitter my entire life, I was stunned how I did not realize there was any bit of a no-hitter until it was too late. Part of it, too, is, and I was sitting next to you, and you talked about this, there's, with the pitch clock, there's not a lot of downtime. So you probably can't go and uh, look at this and be like, oh, wow, look what's going on, this, that, the other thing. You are so locked into just putting down the facts on your scorecard. You probably just totally missed it. That could be it. Maybe I was distracted. Maybe I was so engaged in my discussion with Dennis about AEW booking that I got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was was strange. I I think it's a combination of a few things. I think the amount of base runners is always – it throws you off a little bit because Max wasn't dominant. He wasn't. But he got the job done. The Mets won the game, which made me feel good. Nice bounce back from Sunday's game. And now you're in a spot where find a way to win one of these next two games against lefties, which scares me because I don't love the Met lineup against lefties. Win one of these next two games and you win the series. 